Hey, Jason Rogers here. I've been receiving questions from some of you regarding debt, equity, you know, setting up deals, deal structuring. You could say the principles of finance. Now, just in full transparency for new viewers, I'm not a deal structuring expert. I'm not an investment banker. I'm honestly learning. Now, I've learned a lot. I have things that can certainly help you guys if you've never structured a deal before, but I don't want to say that I'm a seasoned veteran. So if you're looking for that kind of a thing, then I'm not your guy. What I can tell you is what I've seen from experience. I can tell you what we're doing in the current deals we're looking to set up right now, and I'm going to tell you the basic principles of setting up a deal. If you want, we'll continue. Now, for those of you guys who are still here, let's talk about it, right? We have debt. We have equity. What are the differences? What's necessary to make a deal happen? What can you take when you're looking to put together your first deals? What I could say is this. Equity is like the down payment on a house. Think of equity as the down payment. Think of debt as the mortgage. That's the 101. Okay, so in the same way, normally when you buy a house, you need a down payment and then you get a mortgage on the home. Right, so you get a 30-year mortgage, you pay it off each month, whatever you pay each month, right, you put your down payment, that's how you buy a home. Well, when you're trying to buy a business, when you're trying to buy real estate, when you're making an acquisition, it's basically the same game, at least the same general principles are in play. You have the equity side, and then you have the debt side, the leverage from the bank, right? So the equity, that's investors, that's capital, that's you know venture capitalists, that's angel investors, that's your just investor that wants a preferred rate of return. There's all types of investors that will offer equity. And then in the same way, there's all types of different debt options, rather it's agency debt or rather it's mezzanine debt or a bridge, you know, finance or rather it's a traditional uh, loan, rather it's, you know, there's all types of different SBA loans, right? So there's lots of different financing options on both the debt side and the equity side, right? And what I can tell you is essentially it's your job to put the debt and the equity, and maybe I used the wrong hands there, right? But generally the debt and the equity together to finance a deal, wherein everyone's gonna get the return on investment that they're looking for. The investors are gonna get what they want, the bank is gonna get what the bank wants, and you ideally are gonna get what you want. Now, of course, if you have a substantial capital source already to pull from, then you can be the individual that uses your own equity, and you can basically put the, the down payment and you can go right to the bank or you can even go right to the seller, whether you use seller financing, wherein essentially the seller of the business acts like the bank and finances the deal to you, which you can get set up, especially if the seller's motivated, right? Or you, you use traditional debt from a bank, but you can of course use your own capital on the equity side. So say for example, I wanna buy a million dollar business, I can put 200 grand of my own money down or maybe 250 grand and then I have a, 750 grand loan. So the loan to value there is 75%. If I put down 250 and then I got the bank to finance 750 for, in that case, a $1 million deal, right? So that's just a very simple example. Now, what you can also do is use other investors to put the down payment and then you use the bank to finance it or you have the seller finance it. You have somebody else finance the debt side. Right, so for example, I could get together five individuals who wanna put 50 grand down. This is called a syndication. 
I could get 50 guys who were going to put 50 grand in each. That totals to 250 grand. 50 grand times five, 250 grand. grand. We put down the down payment. Maybe they're all promised an 8% preferred rate of return. And then you go to the bank and you get the bank to finance the other 750, maybe at a 6% interest rate, right? So ultimately what you're negotiating are interest rates. You're going to pay, out, pay off all the investors, in that case, the five investors of the 50 grand, maybe their 8% preferred uh, rate of return. You're going to pay the bank back the 6% interest, and you're going to hopefully take whatever's left. And ideally, if you find a great deal, there's a good bit left, right? That's, that's, that comes to daddy. Now, the question always becomes on the equity side, are those five investors, those syndication investors that you put together, the five guys that put in the 50 grand, are they also going to have partial ownership in the business that we just acquired together? Or are you going to get the equity of that business because you put it together, right? So are you going to be the guy that eats last but ultimately has ownership of the business? Or are you going to share that with the equity investors? What I can tell you is from my experience thus far, I found that in the initial stages, in the initial stages, when you lack a considerable track record, it's easier to give away equity in your deals. And then in time, once you're proven, once you and your team are proven, it's easier to get individuals to simply take a preferred rate of return, maybe of eight or 9%, so that you're essentially using the equity investors, almost like mezzanine debt, for those of you guys who are a little bit more sophisticated, right? Mezzanine debt has a higher interest rate than traditional debt that you would get at a bank for a commercial loan or an acquisition type of loan that you would get from a bank, right? So you know, I don't know exactly what the percentage that you would pay on mezzanine debt is, but it's higher than the five or the 6% you'd probably get from the bank, right? So you're at 8%, for example, there, you're giving your equity players a preferred rate of return for almost being that filling in the gap of getting the deal done, right? You have a million dollars you need to come up with to get the deal done. The bank did the first 75%, but then over here, the last sliver, that's that last 25%, that's where the equity guys are coming in. And because they're filling in that last, you know, ever so crucial gap, of getting you to a million, they're gonna get a better return. Now, the next thing that comes up is who's gonna sign on the loan. And I'm not gonna say I'm an expert on different ways to creatively make that happen. I'll be able to speak a lot more in the next year or two once I do more deals. But what I can say certainly is that that is gonna be important and that's one of the terms to be discussed with the banker. Another thing that they're gonna ask is, you know, what's the collateral for the loan gonna be? Right, are you gonna leverage your house on it? Are you gonna leverage the the business you're already buying, that's ideal, right? And some banks want assets, some banks want cash flow, right? So there's different things that you can offer as collateral. And from my understanding, banks go through cycles. Sometimes they want assets as collateral. Sometimes they'll lend on cash flows. So if you have an existing business or existing revenue, things like this, they'll say, okay, we'll use that, right? So there's all different options as far as getting the bank on the debt side to come through. And different banks will have different lending uh, parameters. And, and of course, some banks are more aggressive than others. And this is why I like to talk to a lot of bankers and why I always recommend you talk to a lot of investors as well. Because if you're talking to a lot of bankers, then you of course have a better chance of getting favorable terms on your terms, right? Terms that you want. Whereas if you're only talking to one banker, he has you by the ball. So it really gets down to the principle of casting out a lot of nets, casting out a lot of lines, being in communication with multiple individuals who can help you do the financing that you need, and that will help you get the best terms possible. If you're talking to five different bankers, you can mention to banker A that you also had lunch with banker B the other day, or you just grabbed coffee with banker C. Now banker A thinks, damn, this guy, you know, if I want his business, I need to give him you know, better terms. I can't jerk this guy around. Let the banker jerk somebody else around. You make sure that your, your bases are covered. And so that's something I would recommend both on the debt side and the equity side. If you're a deal maker, if you're a guy that's putting together deals, then make sure that you're talking to people 
a host of people that can give you all of the different financing options you need. Make sure you're talking to a lot of bankers. Make sure you're talking to a lot of investors. I've talked about how to talk to bankers and I've talked about how to talk to investors and how to reach out to these individuals on other videos. I'm not going to go into that here, but that's that's the one-on-one of putting deals together. And ultimately, what I would say is this, is when you're getting started, getting your first deal or two done, that's very important because now it gives you a track record of success. Once you do one or two successful deals where everyone got their returns, or at least everyone's getting their returns, once you're known as a deal maker in your industry, suddenly now the deal flow is going to start coming to you. Suddenly now brokers are going to listen to you with a whole different type of a, an ear. They're listening way more closely than they ever did when you did not have a track record. So once you become a deal maker, at least because you've done one, now it's going to be easier to do the second and the third, etc. Success begets success. I'll be honest, I was going to cut the video right there, but I decided to explain one last thing that may be useful for you. And that is the idea of no money down acquisitions, right? So this is the idea of you not putting any money of your own into the deal. And what I can say is this, it will be more challenging if you don't put money in because your other investors as well as the bank, they want to see skin in the game, right? The more skin in the game you have, the more easy it is to get everybody else to buy in and money talks, bullshit walks. You've heard the phrase that said, you can still do deals with no money down. I've heard it done. I've not done it myself, so I just want to be really transparent with that, but I certainly can hypothesize how one would do a no money down deal, and it would be probably something like this. First of all, the seller better be pretty damned motivated. I'm pretty sure we can all agree that that's going to really help make a no money down acquisition possible, because if the seller doesn't need to sell, then what the heck, right? He's going to be like, no, the seller is going to say to you, because ultimately, remember, deal structuring is all about making sure the seller gets what he wants. The seller maybe wants 250 grand down, right? I want 250 cash, and then the rest I can accept to get paid, you know, down the line. It's something like that, right? So with the seller, you know, I'm really focusing on seller finance, for example, now, because that's going to probably be the easiest way to get it done, right? 100% loan to value with a bank, especially if it were non-recourse, that's very tough to do. I'm sure it can be done. Anything's possible, but you better talk to a lot of bankers and find a really hungry banker for you to get a 100% loan to value, which means you have a million dollar deal and you're getting the bank to leverage 100%. The bank's putting all 1 million. That's a, that's a tall task. It could be done, but it's going to be a lot easier. I would say if the seller is keen to finance the deal himself or herself, and then if the seller's really motivated, I can see the seller saying, do you know what? pay me over time with the cash flows of this business. I just want to get the fuck out. Thank you for taking it off my hands. It almost needs to be a thank you for taking it off my hands type of a psychology from the seller. I would say that's the easiest way that I can imagine doing a no money down deal. This really does, for those of you guys who are QLA based, who found me from Dan Pena, this is the idea of the motivated seller. And now that I'm structuring deals on a preliminary level and I'm soon to be closing on a deal, what I can say is this this makes more and more sense the more I think about it now. You know, I six months ago, I never thought about structuring deals. Only in the last couple of months am I really thinking about this, but it makes a ton of sense. The seller wants to get the deal done bad. That would be the case wherein the seller would say, do you know what? Just here, take the business, pay me in time. I need to get the hell out, right? And of course, this is why Dan Pena always jokes that you want a seller that has leukemia and, and AIDS and is about to die and all these things because, of course, that's a motivated seller. That said, I'm sure there's other ways to do a no money down deal. What I would say, though, well, what I say is this as well. When you get the investors, you're doing a no money down deal or a very small percentage. Now, for, for the deals I'm doing, I'm going to put a little bit of my own money in. Not a lot. I'm going to put in, you know, one, two, three percent of the total deal size. But I want to put in something to show, hey, look, I'm in this with you. I am in this with you. 
you know, putting your own collateral on the line or signing, putting in money. These are all things that give others more confidence because they say, okay, you know, this Jason fella, he's not just putting the deal together. He must clearly believe in it some because he's put his own money on the line. He signed his own name to the line, things like that give the bank as well as other investors more confidence. So those are different ideas you can consider as you're deal structuring and you're looking to put together a deal that's suitable for everybody involved. And remember, be the kind of guy that says, how can we get this deal done as opposed to the kind of guy that says, you know, I don't know if we should do this deal. In other words, be open to the possibilities. Hey, what, what would you work with? What can we do? Talk about this, talk about that. You know, changing the size of the loan, changing the nature of the on the equity side, or there's all these different ways of getting deals done. So always be a guy that's open to other options. Of course, you have to have your, your line in the sand where you say, no, you know, this is as far as I'll go because you gotta make sure that you get everybody theirs. You gotta make sure the deal makes sense. So don't be soft. You know, you don't you don't be a guy that that uh, that gets jerked around, but at the same time, have some flexibility so that you can get these things done, baby. Because at the end of the day, that's what you want to do, right? We're trying to close a deal here.